Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care, and with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Hi, stay tuned listeners. The Mueller report has been delivered to Attorney General William Barr, and Mr. Barr has summarized those findings. There is certainly more to come, but we do have plenty to discuss. Cafe Insider is our new subscription service that includes a podcast, co-hosted by Ann Milgram and me. Each week, we break down the news and make sense of what's happening. From time to time, we make portions of Cafe Insider episodes available in the Stay Tuned feed. Today, we are bringing you a segment from our most recent episode. Needless to say, it's all about the Mueller report. To listen to the full episode and access all other Cafe Insider content, become a member at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. So Bill Barr's letter uh, describing the Mueller report says that unlike in the collusion case, where the special prosecutor did not find a crime was established with respect to obstruction, the special counsel did not make a determination and says they ultimately determined not to make a traditional prosecutorial judgment, draws no conclusion one way or another as to whether the examined conduct constituted obstruction, and goes on to say that the Mueller report sets out evidence on both sides of the question and leaves unresolved what the counsel, what the special counsel views as difficult issues of law and fact. And then, interestingly, quotes from the special counsel report in a way that's not helpful to the president, but obviously Bill Barr must have known this would, this would become public at some point and you'd look terrible for concealing it. Special counsel states that, quote, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Do you find that extraordinary? I find it extraordinary. I really do. What's fascinating about this, and I think we have to break this down into a lot of different parts, which is that, first of all, Mueller made a decision um, not to make the ultimate prosecutorial judgment, which is basically, you know, and I've done this in reports and I've, I've, you know, obviously, you know, Got, we've gone to grand juries personally and had attorneys who worked with us go to grand juries. Um, he didn't make that decision of could this or should this case have gone to the grand jury if the president could have been charged. And there are a couple of things I think, like, look, if we can just sort of go high level. The first is what's fascinating about this letter is that almost every letter I've ever written related to an investigation that that was not ultimately prosecuted sets out the legal standards and really talks about what standard is being used in the letter this this doesn't and it's pretty clear to me and i think we should talk about it but it's pretty clear to me that muller presents the evidence um and we should do the thought exercise of what do you do when you think you have probable cause to charge a case which is the legal standard right, but not, meaning but not proof beyond a reasonable doubt Exactly. And I think maybe it's worth just sort of digressing on this for a second to say that, you know, prosecutors look when it comes to the grand jury or charging a misdemeanor. Um, the question is, is it more likely or not that a crime was committed by this specific person? And so 
the probable cause standard, it's almost 51%, right? It's more likely than not that something happened. But when you go to trial, it's a different standard, right? Yeah, I talk about this a bunch in my book. <laughs> uh, I didn't want it too many minutes to go by. But <laughs> but let me ask you this question, though. Did you have any expectation that there would be a punt like this? I didn't. And when I first... I did not. Yeah, so when I first read it, and you know, it was fever pitch yesterday evening, and everyone's trying to read the, the, the letter... And I was watching, as I like to say, the breathless reporting on television. And I first read it and I was, I was really disappointed because I didn't get it. You know, isn't that what the special counsel was for? Isn't that the point? And you take the first issue, collusion, and sure, it was an easier decision, I guess, to say that it was not, you didn't establish evidence of a crime. And this other issue that, by the way, is the whole reason there really is a special counsel. The whole reason that Bob Mueller exists in this capacity is because he fired Jim Comey. And it looked like maybe he was trying to obstruct the Russia investigation. Uh, and that's what caused Rod Rosenstein to, to, you know, to bring the bomb, you know, to explode the nuclear bomb of the appointment of special counsel. That, that emanated not from Russian collusion and conspiracy concerns. That emanated from a deep concern on the part of a lot of people that there was obstruction going on here. And for him to punt on it, my initial thought was, wow, that seems like an abdication. I thought about it more. And my view is not as harsh, you know, given the stakes, given seemingly the closeness of the question, it seems to me that he was trying to, and I've been using this uh, semi-awkward analogy for the last couple of days, it seemed that Bob Mueller was punting to Congress, and then Bill Barr ran on the field, grabbed the football, and took it in for a touchdown for Trump out of the blue, you know, kind of from the bleachers. How do you feel about the fact that Mueller sort of punted that question? So I do think he punted the question, and I, I agree with you. My initial reaction was a harsher one than my sort of second reaction. You know, my initial reaction was, um, and, and we should talk about this in depth in a second, but my initial reaction is that there is evidence of obstruction of justice. The president did not give an interview. He submitted written written answers on the collusion um, piece, but he did not address the obstruction question. And that Bob Mueller was faced with evidence of wrongdoing, but a very difficult case. Um, and, you know, obstruction turns very much on the intent of the person, whether or not, you know, there was the president was trying to corruptly persuade or influence um, Jim Comey or others. And so th- there really is a ser- there are serious factual questions here that I think Mueller would have struggled with. And so I sort of, in my mind, asked the question of, you know, is it possible that there was probable cause to charge but not proof beyond a reasonable doubt to convict? And that if that were the case, what would Mueller do? What would you do? What would I do? And that's the thought exercise that got me to be more sympathetic to Mueller and to ultimately sort of want to ask you this question of, is there is there a deep flaw in the process through which Mueller was appointed? You know, he was not given the ultimate decision-making authority. He was given under the letter, under the regulations, uh, which I now think need to be completely redone. And perhaps there needs to be a new and different special counsel statute passed by Congress. But he was he was only given the authority to give a report to the attorney general. And so, you know, your read that he was doing this for Congress to say, hey, here's the evidence of this. Here are the challenges with the case. Um, I would be very surprised, and let me ask you this, do you think Mueller would have said there's evidence on both sides 
would he, do you think he would have framed it like that specifically? Here, here's how I think about it. I think that the takeaway should be there is substantial, significant, serious, credible evidence that the president of the United States obstructed justice. Otherwise, he would have answered this question the same way he did the collusion question. It's also clear that the special counsel may view the president as different from other people. And that is ordinarily, if you have a, a, you know, a regular everyday Joe citizen whom you've investigated for obstruction, you, it's a binary choice, right? You make the decision to pursue or not. And my thought is, in cases that are really close, where you're going to think about proceeding with criminal charges that will result in the separation of that person from his liberty, and it's really, really close, I think you don't bring the case. Uh, you know, you call it a day and you say, uh, you know, the tie goes to the runner, the runner being the defendant in this case, because the criminal justice system should operate that way. And the benefit of the doubt, not just at trial, but also in the charging phase, should go to the defendant. He didn't do that here. He could have just said, look, it's a close question. And so the general practice in pursuit of justice and in the interest of justice should be, you know what? We don't fully have it. It's too close. In those circumstances, you walk away. He knows that there's another avenue of accountability and chose not to say, we don't recommend a charge. There's not a charge. Leave it to Congress. So as I think about the way in which he must have perceived the status of the president and the quality and quantum of the evidence, he must have been thinking about Congress. Do you think that he was considering either sort of the state of American democracy and and the fallout. Yeah, um, I think so. I do. I do. Because you know what? It's a big deal, particularly if it's a close question. I also wonder, you know, was he considering, was he thinking about the institutions? And, you know, I think Mueller, he's both a patriot, but I also think he's an, he's he's a big advocate for the institutions of the FBI and the Department of Justice. And so, you know, there is... There is something of that here, too. Um, he deferred to the attorney general. I think we should also be clear, though, and I've now read this letter a number of times. Um, and, you know, I think what Barr says very clearly, and I might be reading into this a bit, but he says the special counsel, therefore, did not draw a conclusion one way or the other. Um, and he then goes on to say the special counsel's decision to describe the facts of his obstruction investigation without reaching any legal conclusion leaves it to the attorney general to determine whether the conduct described in this in the report constitutes a crime. Yeah, no, I don't no. think. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have the same reaction that it seems like you're having. That if you read it quickly, and my first thought was, well, wow, I guess Mueller wanted Barr to weigh in, which doesn't make a lot of sense given that it was supposed to be up to the special counsel, but that's not what the letter says. It's very cleverly worded. He didn't say the special counsel left it to me. He said the special counsel's decision leaves it to the attorney general, meaning there's now like a vacuum. There's a void. There's a void that I, Bill Barr, and Rod Rosenstein are going to rush into to fill. Now, on the one hand, it's not crazy for the attorney general knowing that there's sort of this pregnant issue now to rush in and fill the void to try to get past it, knowing what views he has. But I can't, I, I, it kind of puts a cloud it over the It is a thing. little crazy, though. Yeah. It, it's a little crazy for two reasons. One, um, we've all agreed and we've talked about many times the fact that there's Department of Justice policy that says the president cannot be charged. So Mueller does not make a recommendation as to whether or not the president has committed a crime. Barr does not need to address that. There, there's no compelling reason that Barr needs to address that issue. It's not like the president is going to be charged under existing DOJ guidelines, which I assume the 
you know, sworn attorney general for the United States would follow. The second piece is that you're right. I think Mueller was writing this for Congress and was writing this for another sort of judge and jury to to weigh. What Barr does is he basically steps in and he takes it all. And the language he uses where he's talking about he and Rod, Rod Rosenstein, where he says, you know, Rod Rosenstein and I have concluded that the evidence developed during the special counsel's investigation is not sufficient to establish that the president committed an obstruction of justice offense. He's not just deciding whether or not the president could be charged with a crime. He's deciding the president's guilt or innocence. Yep. And there he's saying the president is innocent. And that, to me, goes well beyond the attorney general. I mean, the attorney general is not the judge and jury. And so it really is kind of an extraordinary thing he does that leaves us in a very in a position where he's now framed this in one way. The media has followed that framing. And I think, you know, he's been effective. He's been an effective politician in some ways at defining the issue um, in a way that I, I sincerely doubt Mueller intended. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. In the full episode, Anne and I also speak at great length about Barr's summary of the Mueller report, the special counsel's conclusions, and what's next for the president and Congress. To listen, become a member by going to cafe.com slash insider and get access to all insider content. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.